0: Hey you, yeah you, go ahead and give yourself a pat on the back cause you're amazing. How do I know you say? Could it be government surveillance? No. Could it be remote viewing? No. How about esoteric Esoteric knowledge knowledge of the past, past, present, and future? future? No. Well maybe a little bit. But really I know because if you are one of the handful of people who know about this show You are, in fact, amazing. Welcome to the best kept secret in all of internetdom, the House of Bliss podcast. I am your fantastic and knowledgeable host, Cole, and I am so excited to sail the seas of bliss with you today. But first, I'd like to give a shout out to my latest two patrons, Claire and Claire we've got Claire B and Claire C you know who you are thank you so much maybe we can find a Claire A to go along and maybe why not the whole alphabet except I'm not really sure that there are any last names that start with Z so we can just start going like vitamins K2 Claire K6 whatever anyway thank you so much you guys make this possible hey speaking of patrons You guys might know that I am supportable, very supportable, on a website called Patreon. I will put the link in the description. Now, why on earth would you do that? Well, because right now is the time to be a patron. I'm actually completely restructuring everything. Uh, Before, I had tiers um, where you would give a certain amount and earn certain rewards in proportion to that. But now I've blown the doors wide open and now... You giving out of the kindness of your heart will actually earn the whole boatload of rewards. I'm talking about things like extra bonus teachings for patrons only. I'm talking about testimonies, the crazy testimonies, the stuff that I don't really share anywhere else um, i'm talking about all kinds of fun stuff i put out a resource list of things that i'm inspired by articles i'm reading books recommendations all sorts of fun things so if that sounds good to you for literally as little as one dollar per month you can have access to all that stuff so what do you say search your heart search your wallet see if you can make it happen so once again i will place the link conveniently, in the description, just for you. Now, what are we going to talk about today? Well, today's subject might scandalize scandalize you. It It might tantalize tantalize you. It It might... I don't actually know any other words that rhyme with that. Fanaticize you. No, but actually we're going to talk about something today that's very shocking and probably difficult for a lot of people to hear. But um, before I get into the meat of what I want to share, I want to give you a little preamble. Um, this is going to be part two of my little series I'm doing on the cross. So it's called The Glories of the Cross, and this is part two. If you haven't listened to part one, that's okay. You don't necessarily need to, but I highly recommend it because it's rich stuff. You know, it's like the escargot of theology. It's the fine stuff, the real good, the real good. you know, you need it. Uh, impress your friends, you know. So if you've got that rich friend with a super thick mustache and a yacht and you just can't ever seem to get ahead of the curve, well you can share stuff you learned in this show and you can even take it for yourself. I won't even mind. It's okay. You can impress your friend. That's awesome. Now before we dive into today's big idea, I want to talk to you real quick about something called deconstruction. It's a nice hip buzzword these days, I'm sure you've heard it, but all it is is simply when you go through the process of re-examining core beliefs that you have and sometimes letting go of those beliefs. Um, You know it's a very natural part of life. Uh, Maybe you realized as you're growing up the way that your parents taught you to think about something is actually not good or not beneficial and when you encounter the truth you're able to look at that and say nah this doesn't hold up and let it go. Well, this can be very difficult for Christians because many of us have been taught from a young age that there's going to be a great theology quiz in the sky you know, when you die. And if you don't get you know, higher than a B <laughs> on the orthodoxy scale, you're going straight to hell. Well, listen, I want to tell you that the body of Christ, this beautiful mystical family called the body of Christ, is so widely diverse in beliefs and that is okay it is okay okay so you're not going to be held to this narrow version of what so-and-so preaches at his church no as long as you agree that jesus christ is god you know and that he's he's the way to the father and all that, um, I think you're okay, you know, so pretty much everything else is fair game. Now, that doesn't mean it's a free for all, but it means it's okay to hear ideas that are outside of what your grandpappy taught you and, you know, maybe adopt new beliefs. Now, we also get into this thing where sometimes we get taught by people that we really respect that we have to see things a certain way. I realized that your great grandpappy taught you how to, you know, buckle your spurs and spit and ride a horse and taught you the value of working hard. And uh, he also taught you that um, you got to read the Bible a certain way. But listen, if that belief is killing you or hurting you and you hear a belief that maybe your grandpappy had never considered before, listen, you owe it to yourself to take things farther than he could. And and adopt a new belief system. All this setup is just to tell you that what I'm going to share with you is not only going to argue with your idea of reality, it's also probably going to argue with a lot of things that you've heard Christian ministers say in the past, and that is okay. Uh, one more quick thought about deconstruction. I was watching a movie recently, and it's a god-awful, dark, horrible movie, which I didn't know going into it, um, but I couldn't look away once it was started. It was called Shutter Island, and uh, I really don't recommend that anybody watch it if you don't like child death, but... The point is, um, I did actually glean one really useful thing from that movie. So, I'm about to spoil it for you, but this movie's over 10 years old, so if you really don't want it spoiled, I guess pause and come back. But, anyway, it's about this guy who's a detective, and he gets sent to an island called Shutter Island. On this island is a famous, well, really infamous home for the mentally insane. Now, there's been a mysterious disappearance, and this guy and his partner are going to the island to figure out what's going on. Once they get there, though, things get really weird. People are not cooperating with them. The, the main guy starts having all these crazy hallucinations. And then you go through this movie, and he discovers a vast conspiracy where they're conducting evil... Uh, surgeries on patients in this lighthouse and it's a big secret hush hush and so finally he comes to the truth he grabs a machine gun he storms the lighthouse and just when he's about to kick the door in and shoot up the bad guys (laughs) he sees his partner and these doctors and all these people from the movie sitting in the lighthouse waiting for him and the next five minutes they show him that he's actually one of the patients on the island. Here's the big twist. They're actually conducting a giant role-playing experiment to try to help him come to grips with reality, that he is a patient, that he is insane, and that he needs help. Uh, He needs to change his view of reality. And so what it does is that knowledge, once it hits you as the watcher, you start to realize everything I believed about this movie that was fed to me is wrong. You start to see interactions in a different light. You start to uh, realize that you only accepted the evidence that reinforced the narrative that this guy's a detective while sort of filtering out the clear evidence all along the way that he was actually one of the patients in need of help. And so I think this is a great way of um, understanding deconstruction in the Bible. It's just because somebody taught you something a certain way doesn't mean you're seeing the picture correctly. Even if that person was amazing, we all make mistakes. And so what I would like to tell you today is something that just might argue with uh, what your grandpappy taught you when you were buckling your spurs, but here we go. What if I told you that you are perfect? I know, everybody's like, whoa, how could that be? No, I'm not perfect, you didn't see me. I kicked my dog earlier this morning and called him the B word, which would actually be funny because he's a dog. (laughs) But I wanna open my Bible here finally and get to Romans chapter six. Some of you probably know where this is going. You're like, oh, yeah. It says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who have died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. I'm going to continue here. For we have become united with him in the likeness of his death. Certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, then listen up. That our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, you can't be free from sin until you die. And that's what Paul is saying, that, you know, once you die, you'll be free from sin. But listen, this is what he says. Now, if we have died with Christ, past tense, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, and death is no longer master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Even so, here's the big kicker. Consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Now, here's what I wanna say to you. Your old self, uh, when the Bible talks about the body of sin, it's a little bit of a misleading translation. There's two different words for flesh one of them means your sinful nature the other means your body there is nothing wrong or sinful about your body but all of us have dealt with this thing called the sin nature it's that thing inside of you that feels broken that wants to do things that you know are wrong but are harming you it's it's the reason you know it's it's what we call a product of the fall okay That thing inside of you has been destroyed once and for all, forever and ever. You are not prone to wander. You are prone to wonder. (laughs) You are prone. Your insides have been changed. Let me walk you through some more scriptures. Okay, it says in Ezekiel, That in the new covenant, I will take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Okay, so it says, here's where it takes place. Not in the future when you die, but it says, if we have died with Christ. Now, elsewhere in scripture, Galatians 2.20, it says, For I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, you have got to understand this is what we don't hear enough about the cross is that somehow, in some way, spiritually, mystically, you were actually in Christ when He was crucified. Therefore, you were crucified and went into the ground with Him. And when He raised to life, you raised to life with Him. <laughs> yes. If literally Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Okay, it talks in Colossians about being presented before God, holy and blameless and without reproach. It talks also in Colossians about how, you know what, let me just open it up to it. So, a lot of people will say, well, yeah, but we've got to wrestle with our sinful nature. Well, not according to this. It says, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him, in him, you are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, the removal of the body of flesh. There's that word again. It means the sinful nature by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Now, everywhere you go, Paul is talking about how you are dead and you're a new creation. Okay, shall I go on? Let's flip over to Second Corinthians chapter 5. Paul says, for the love of Christ compels us, having concluded this, that one Jesus died for all you therefore all you have died and he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves uh, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf therefore listen to this from now on we recognize nobody no one according to the flesh even though we have known Christ according to the flesh yet now we know him in this way no longer so before I move on to this next verse He's saying, look, before you knew about all of this, you only thought of Jesus as just another guy, but you discovered something very amazing about him that actually he's God in the flesh that there's so much more going on to him than meets the eye. Well, he has done something on behalf of all humanity that takes away your license to see the people around you uh, merely according to the flesh. Your neighbor who's struggling with drugs, you don't get to see him according to that anymore. Uh, you know, your your friend down the street who is uh, abusive towards his family, like, You don't get to treat him merely according to that fleshly um, appearance anymore. No, there is actually a deeper truth about this person under the surface. It says this, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creature. The old things have passed away and the new things have come. Now, Jesus died for all. He finished the job. But when you begin to identify and agree with that truth and allow it to take shape and form in your life, it says you become a new creation. The word new, many of you know this already, but the, new, the word new is kainos. And kinos doesn't just mean new as in an updated version. It means new altogether. It means a completely different kind. That's why elsewhere in scripture, Paul said, why... Are you guys treating each other like you're mere humans because you're not anymore. You have the fullness of God living inside of you. You have Jesus Christ living and burning and breathing through you and he has crucified everything about you that was uh, not like him that was fallen. Your old depressed self is dead. Your old addicted self is dead. Everything in you that doesn't look like Christ has been done away with. and for all because as he is so are we in this world now when we hear that the first question is well then if that's true if I'm not a sinner if I'm a new creation why do I still sin and a huge part of that Uh, is tied to how you think and believe listen if you've been fed your entire life this is going to be a struggle you're going to have to wage war on your flesh you're going to have to really just get in there and struggle for the Lord because sin is inside you you're dirty and you're just going to have to to deal with that until you die well what on if you've never been told anything else then, of course, that is exactly what you're going to manifest, right? It says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. There, It's very important to understand what the cross says about your identity, okay? We come to these times in our lives where we realize the narrative that we believe about ourselves, which you're only going to manifest what you believe about yourself. If you believe you're evil, you'll manifest evil. So, where we come to these crossroads where what we believe argues with the truth of God right now listen to this when the lord showed up to gideon and he said and well he you know the angel of the lord shows up to gideon he calls him a mighty man of valor. But where's Gideon? Hiding. (laughs) He's hiding out. So when the angel comes to him and speaks to him and says, you're a man of bravery, how completely untrue did that feel to Gideon, right? Similarly, you know, I used to struggle mightily with depression. And one of the very first prophetic words I ever received was a woman who told me, you're a man of of joy I see joy all over you now at the time I thought this lady was crazy because my entire life story was built around this idea that I struggle with depression but what was she seeing she was seeing what's actually true about me from God's perspective and calling to it speaking to it bringing it forth until eventually now I am that person of joy most people know me for my joy for my laughter for my you know experience of God's drunken pleasure like that's what people know me for so when you are confronted with a new perspective on who you are you have a choice are you going to take it, confess it, run with it, believe it, immerse yourself in that truth? Or are you going to stick with the same old story? It can be really difficult when every time you go to church, your pastor is reinforcing that you're, you know, rotten to the core and you're bound for struggle. You know, it, when you're singing worship songs about how bad we are and how much help we need and I'm just a terrible sinner, but God is good. No. We we need to have a language shift in the church. We need to get a hold of this. So in all this, I am not saying that it's impossible to sin. You are fully capable of making the choice to do something wrong. But what I am saying is your core... Nature has been changed, and if that is the first time you've ever heard that, I'm just going to prophesy to you right now, today is a new day. Let the truth of the gospel sink into your mind, your soul, your spirit, that you don't have to struggle one more Day with uh, evil thoughts, evil desires. You can actually expel them. You can take each thought captive, like the Apostle Paul says. You know how it talks about how the devil uh, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour? I love that verse because in it carries the implication that there are people who are un devourable who are not submitted or surrendered or open and that they can walk freely in righteousness you know the bible says that you are the righteousness of god in christ jesus because of what he's done for you okay let me just share the fruit of this i remember sitting in my room Uh, this is about seven years ago, Um, reading Romans 6, like I just read to you for the first time, having it hit me like a ton of bricks. I went out in the spirit and I was laughing for a good like 45 minutes. And, Out of that encounter, I was set free from addiction to pornography. So you got to realize, I started in third grade being exposed to porn from my friends. And it was a a near daily addiction for years and years and years. And even after I got saved, you know, I hated that I was stuck uh, doing this. And I would go to these groups where, you know, basically uh, (laughs) our idea of accountability was just saying, yeah, I screwed up this week. Did you screw up this week? Oh, great. Everyone screwed up this week. Let's all pray for each other because we're sinners and, you know, maybe we'll get, you know, maybe we'll do better next week. Before, I had to have my laptop locked up tighter than Fort Knox you know (laughs) I had to have so many different layers of filters and passwords and stuff Um, but now look it hasn't even been a temptation for seven years I've been free of it I haven't needed any help with that um, because I realized that my nature is new so I'm telling you that very thing is before you today but just like with the gospel Uh, you know, when somebody grows up their entire life not believing in a God and all of a sudden they're confronted with a reality where they're going to have to switch everything that they think they know about everything. That choice is before you. Do you want to struggle with sin the rest of your life, believing that you're deficient somehow? Or do you want to believe the truth that you have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer you living, it is Christ living inside of you. Well, Jesus said you need to repent. It means to have a shift in mind. So if you want to stop struggling, the idea is not to dig your heels in and try harder not to do bad things. No, Uh, you need a little something called grace. And grace has been such a misunderstood mess up word in the church. A lot of people have not knowing that you can be free from sin, have taken the word grace and made it basically just a cover-up. Like God looks at you, sees you do something wrong, and says, eh, it's okay, better luck next time. Or, you know, I'll just cover my eyes and pretend I didn't see that. Or for some people, literally, they think God is just like, you know, with the blood of Jesus, let me just throw a blanket over you. Like, you're still ugly underneath that blanket, but at least, you know, I don't have to look at it, so I'm satisfied. No, grace is defined as, Not just the unmerited favor of God, but the divine influence of God on the heart of a man. So when grace comes into your soul, it actually changes your desires. It actually causes you to stop craving things that are evil. It gives you an appetite, an addiction uh, for the things of the Spirit. You So instead of being addicted to evil pleasures, you become addicted to righteous pleasures. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. All of a sudden, you become obsessed with encountering God, obsessed with experiencing the ecstasies of his presence. And when you lean into that... All of a sudden, your desires for lesser things begin to fade and lose their power over you. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul begins to describe in the rest of Romans 6. Okay, listen to this. He says... Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Now listen, there are some people who think that there is nothing that you have to do. That is not true. You need to break your agreements with your old life. Okay. So yeah, you might be free. The cage doors are open, but if somebody was living in captivity for years and years, they may not know the first thing about what it looks like to be free. Case in point, the Israelites, okay. God freed them from Egypt. They were out of Egypt, but it took God over 40 years to get Egypt out of them. Okay, so we are learning what it means to be free, sinless um, individuals, right? And so this is what he says. He says, do not present the members of your body to sin. So don't put yourself in the path of things that are going to lead you into something sinful. You are not. You owe it nothing. Okay, but instead, this is where people go wrong. They say, well, we got to stop doing bad things. No, instead... Present the members of your body as instruments of righteousness. I want you to see that your battle with sin was won for you 2,000 years ago on the cross when he became sin that knew no sin so that you might become the righteousness of God. He did not, this is what John Crowder always says, he did not just uh take you out of sinfulness he took sinfulness out of you you are a brand new creation holy and blameless so let's live in that new life and the last thing i want to do as a little activation um i read a book recently by a guy named gary Oates about seeing in the spirit but in it he has this brilliant prayer written from Romans 8 what I would like to do is read that over you and maybe have you repeat it back and uh, yeah it's just an exercise in taking each of the limbs and parts of your body and presenting them to God so that you can be fully immersed and possessed by the truth of the gospel and the person of the Holy Spirit before I read this prayer I just want to address some of the concerns that come up like what about those verses that seem to say the opposite? Um, for example, First John says, If anyone claims to be without sin, they are deceiving themselves. Well, <clears throat> just hear me on this. Just like with the movie Shutter Island, when I was talking about that, I'm going to call that the Shutter Island effect. I like that. But uh, when you are so convinced that something is a certain way, you will twist the evidence that's in front of you to fit that narrative. Or you'll just outright reject it. Now, what I'm telling you is maybe just try. Just try taking this perspective out for a spin and see if it doesn't bring life and hope and joy and liberty to your life. And in that case, when those passages that seem to contradict it on the surface come, actually, eventually, you can find an explanation that will help uh, help it clear it up. So, you know, whatever John meant by that, um, you know, he also says right before, uh, if anyone continues to sin, he's not a child of God. So, first of all, he says, if, if you continue to sin. If is meaning you don't have to do it. Like, he's not expecting you to sin, okay? Okay. And he says, if you continue in it, then you're not a child of God. Well, what he's saying is you haven't seen the truth. You haven't understood who you are, right? Also, I've heard it pointed out that John is dealing with the people who would eventually become Gnostics, who deny the concept of needing a savior altogether, uh, and so that's what he's addressing is like if somebody is telling you that they've never sinned or that sin is not a problem, they're deceived. Don't listen to them. okay? And that's why later in the book of 1 John, he says to them, test the spirits to see if they're from God. And if they deny that, God, that Jesus came in the flesh, they're not of God. Well, that is a hallmark classic idea of Gnosticism. So that's one explanation. Now, I want you to go ahead and get comfortable, get ready to just meditate and uh, feel the presence of God as I read this over you. Um, I'm reading straight out of this book called Open My Eyes, Lord, by Gary Oates. If you don't have it, I really highly recommend it. I want you to give your eyes to the Lord. Tell Him that you want to see with His eyes. Especially for those involved in any kind of pornography, whether from the internet, magazines, movies, allow the spirit to speak to you now tell him that you want to see what he's doing in the earth to see things from his perspective tell him that you want to behold his beauty that he would open the eyes of your spirit and that you might see him instead of focusing on the things of this world and just say this out loud right now lord i give my eyes to you. Now offer your ears to him. We hear so much junk and at times we enjoy hearing some of the stuff we hear. So give him your ears and say, Lord, put a filter on my ears to filter out the noise of the world. Lord, I ask that I can clearly hear your voice and that I would have discerning ears. Lord, I give you my ears. now give him your mouth say lord i want to speak your words i want my tongue to be an instrument of righteousness in jesus name i give you my mouth my tongue my lips i want to speak what i hear the spirit saying now say god i give you my nose I want to be so intimate with you, so close to you that I can smell your sweet fragrance, your perfume. Lord, I'm tired of smelling the stench of this world. I want to smell the fragrant incense that surrounds the throne of God. Father, this member of my body may seem insignificant to some, but I'm yielding it to you. Lord, I give you my nose. now let's pray and give our hands to god not for sin but for righteousness sake god i give you my hands that they may be used in serving you to reach out to those in need that these hands will be laid on the sick and they will recover lord i give you my hands i want to touch only what you're touching now say Lord, I give you my feet. I'm tired of walking my own way and veering off in this direction and that direction. I'm tired of this tangent and following my own agenda. Lord, I ask that you order my steps, that I may be at the right place where you want me to be, at the right time that you want me there. I'll go where you want me to go. Your word says that a man's steps are ordered or established by the Lord. So I yield my feet to you that this scripture may be fulfilled in my life. I want to walk in your ways. I want to be right in the center of your will. I only want to follow you, to walk with you. Lord, I give you my feet. Just a few more here. Lord, I give you my heart, my wounded, hurting heart. <laughs> I ask that you take my heart of stone, these areas of my heart that have become so hardened against people and even you. Take the hardness away and give me a heart of compassion, a heart of love, a pure undefiled heart, a heart for the lost, a heart for the needy and the destitute. I truly want to experience your heart. I give you my heart. Now let's pray this. I give you my mind, Lord. I am choosing right now to set my mind on you. Lord, I pray to have the mind of Christ operating in my life. A renewed mind so that I can think the way that you think. Lord, I give you my mind. And the last thing, this is the last one we're going to pray over our whole being. Pray these words over your life. Lord, I give you my whole person, spirit, soul, and body. I give you my whole being. I withhold nothing. Everything that I have is yours. Everything that I am is yours. I give it all to you. I lay my life on the altar before you. I yield myself totally and completely to you. Not my will, but your bill, will be done, my blah, blah, blah bill. Not my will, but your will be done in my life. I want more of you in my life. Less will not do. More is the cry of my heart. Lord, I give you my whole person. Oh, yeah, just feel just feel his response to you praying that prayer. That you are filled with him from head to toe. Your hands, your mind, your heart, everything looking exactly like Jesus. Yes. Just feel him bubbling up within you. We are only just scratching the surface of what can be uncovered in the revelation of the cross. And so I hope that you'll join me for the future as we continue to unpack this. Thanks so much.